Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and tonight we are very excited to be speaking with Adam Lucero. Adam has dove deep into the trenches of total human optimization out of a necessity of survival. See, he was stabbed in the throat while at a movie theater and woke up seven days later from an induced coma. At that point, he only had two options, give up and quit on his life or fight for his potential. He chose that second path. Now, he empowers driven men and entrepreneurs to become the most powerful versions of themselves and make more money. Adam, welcome. We are really excited to be speaking with you. Hey, I'm glad to be here. It's going to be a good 30 minutes. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And that is a uh, a powerful backstory bio, one that uh, you certainly don't hear every day and uh, where it's something that you know you probably are, if not thinking about, has kind of shaped what you do on a day-to-day basis and, and how you got here. Mm-hmm. How, how w- when you meet someone, is this a topic that you'll talk about, hey, this happened to me <laughs> or what, 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 how does it come up in conversation? Let's start there. So yeah, I, when it first happened, it came up in conversation a lot. And it, I think that actually helped me kind of accept what happened and kind of get over it. Like I found myself just telling people about it pretty frequently but yeah, nowadays I don't even get into it because like if I mention it, then it turns into like a 10 minute story that I have to tell right on the spot or something. So it's usually someone sees the scar and then they ask me, like, oh, like what happened there? Like, for example, I remember someone was like, hey, you get a cut by like a plastic knife. Like someone literally said that. And I was like, no, I actually got stabbed with a, a chef knife. And they're like, wait, what? So I just kind of wait for it to come up naturally um, when it does come up that way. Well, you you smile and laugh about it. So you've obviously mm-hmm. gotten to a good place. That that is that is a good thing. Um, do you remember waking up and what your first thought was? What you remembered and what you know what what it was like? Because you're, I, I I don't like the word unique when it comes to most things, but I will say this is probably a unique experience that most of us, thankfully, mm-hmm. are never going to uh, yeah. have firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so literally the first, so when I woke up, first of all, I was heavily medicated. So it was an induced coma that I was in for seven days. So when I woke up, I was pretty loopy. And on top of it, I couldn't speak. I was living off tubes that are plugged in my mouth, nerve damage, my tongue. So the first thing I wrote was, do I at least get a refund on my movie ticket? So I was in a pretty good uh, place, apparently, probably because of those drugs, but nonetheless, Um, That was my initial reaction. But obviously, as I woke up, became more conscious, it was a lot of hardships, you know, like first realizing that my legs didn't work again. That was one of the things that just crushed me. After seven days of not using them, your body, your legs forget how to work, or at least mine did. So that also just goes to show like how crazy it is if you stop using your body, you stop moving as much. It's like, that's literally what's going to happen to you as you get older. But nonetheless, so as dealing with that but not on top of it it was again i couldn't even speak i had nerve damage even when i wasn't living off tubes i couldn't think clearly like literally you could pick adam i'll give you five thousand dollars if you solve 11 times 11 couldn't do it just couldn't think clearly and i was always so low on energy that simple task it felt like running a marathon you know when i wasn't capable of eating after a few weeks what happened was I would literally eat half my meal, 
then have to fall asleep and take a nap because I was so tired. Eating half my meal caused me to nap. It forced me to nap. And so I was just really in this place. I was weak and broken. And yeah, there's a lot of hardships. A lot of times where you're just like swearing at the world, like, of course this happened to me. Is my life done for? Like, I can't, like, you you start to question if you can achieve the things you want to achieve in life because you are so, you feel so powerless. You start to think that you're not capable of achieving any of those things. And so lots of self-doubt came in, lots of fears. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely a tough, tough pill to swallow at first. So a few, and disclaimer is the wrong word, but I want to get on the record here that before we hit record, I asked if you were comfortable talking about these things in detail, joking about it, and for you to share your story. Do mm-hmm. I get my refund on my movie ticket right away? I can tell that you were being candid when you said yes to that. So thank you for mm-hmm. that. Uh, so I, I am being sensitive and we are talking about this in an appropriate yeah, manner. Uh, and two, I am going to stick to the 30 minutes because as you go through that answer, I have countless follow-ups and I'm going to do my best to get to all of them. I want to start here specifically on ultimately what you do now with with your clients. But any one of those things that you talk about, uh, there are countless people who would just give up. This is too hard. I don't want to do this. Why me? Woe is me. How were you able to, I'm guessing, compartmentalize some of that stuff and take each one of those hurdles and, and build off of them? Was mm-hmm. that something that you were good at before? Did you learn to this experience kind of bring that out of you? Did you have to teach yourself that over again? How do, how have mm-hmm. you been able to do that, do that over so well and now help others do it? Yeah, so I'd say the biggest thing was just it's taking 100% ownership, 100% responsibility, and fully accepting what happened. Like that was the essence of what transformed me from this place where I felt weak. I felt frustrated and I questioned if I had what it took. And I was just blaming the world. Of course, this happened to me. And the thing was, I was just being a victim. And while it was totally fair for me to be a victim in that situation, it wasn't serving me towards a better life. I was like, if I'm going to keep having these thoughts, keep feeding into them and keep letting this fear and self-doubt dictate what I accomplish, I'm going to stay stuck. I'm going to stay in this place where I don't like how my life is, how I don't like how I feel about myself. And so I just realized, I was like, you know what, this exact, this happened. I can't change it. All I can do is choose how I'm going to respond to it. How I'm going to let the less, the rest of my life unfold. And so it was really that mindset shift, that perspective switch that enabled me to just overcome a lot of this nonsense, because before it was a lot of self-doubt fears. Then when I fully accepted it and I said, you know what, this happened. And I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to move forward. There was no more, oh, should I go to physical therapy? Should I go to my speech therapy? It was like, no, I'm going boom, 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 boom. It was a different mentality that produced different results. And just step by step, I started studying the secrets of evolution, biology, and psychology to build myself up again, how to boost our energy levels, our focus, our mental alertness, and really just week by week, month by month, year after year, I got stronger. In fact, within one year, I ran a 459 mile again. So it's like, it just goes to show it's it's crazy what happens when you just are fully embracing the path you've chosen said, nope, I'm not going to be a victim. This happened. Doesn't matter. Move forward. That's, that's incredible. From where you start there, the ownership, the responsibility, because I think that's difficult enough for for most of us to be uh, mm-hmm. completely responsible for the decisions we make to running a sub five mile within a year. That's uh, really, really well done. Uh, well, all I could think of it as you were talking about that is, you know, it takes 
transformational and inspirational strength to get through a situation like that for yourself. Do you, when you have clients that you're working with, even people in your everyday life who talk about the trials and tribulations, who may not know what you've been through and talk about, this is so hard for me. And it's in retrospect, you know, in comparison, kind of petty, or even really is just petty. How have you been able to, I don't want to say bite your tongue, but just say, you know, that's not that big a deal. You know, you can, you can get past that or kind of roll your eyes and say, this is, you know, I, this, I can't waste my time talking about this. How have you been able to, to help others who really aren't putting in perspective the kind of obstacles that are in front of them? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it just really depends on, it's tough because I don't have a specific answer. Like it really just depends from client to client, different things motivate them, give them that different perspective change. Um, but I guess like not answering your question directly, but kind of get into the essence of what you're asking for. What I typically do with my clients is like, look, if you continue to let your emotions dictate your actions, like this is going to be the path you're going to have for the rest of your life. You're going to keep falling victim to this. And like, how are you going to feel in one, two or three years from now, if you don't change anything, like, is that decision to stay stagnant, improving your life or is it making it worse? Is this coming to this place where mediocrity is your normal state? Like, how is your family going to feel in three years if your business is still pulling in this revenue and you're not able to go travel and provide the life you want for your family? And so just to, I like asking those kind of questions to probe at the consequences of what's going to happen if they don't change. And I find that that's a pretty big motivator. But yeah, oftentimes too, what you were saying, I can use my story or I can just probe it different ways to give them more of a perspective change. Okay. And that, that's a good answer. Thank you there. And, I, and I'm jumping all over the place. So I'm going to try to take You're this good. a little bit more. I'll go whatever direction you want. I'm <laughs> sure. here. Uh, so you mentioned going from being able to eat half a meal and then having to rest afterward to being in pretty good, if not certainly above average physical shape at the end of a year. Um, was there was there a kind of a, a moment that you realized that, hey, I can get back to where I was, if not better, was there was there a tipping point for you, or is this something that was just a slow, uh, you know, a snowball rolling downhill, just picking up momentum day after day, and you knew you'd get there, it would just take time? Yeah, the way I saw it is like, look, if you line every action that you take with the end goal that you want, you're inevitably going to get there. It's simply a matter of when. And so that was literally my whole train of thought. And so every single day I was either studying on what I needed to do, or executing it or making these small changes and it just kind of snowballed into it. But yeah, no, it definitely wasn't a hundred percent. Like we didn't know if I, the, I had a bunch of nerve damage and nerve damage is tricky. You can never tell if it's short-term or long-term. So yeah, there was never a hundred percent confidence and conviction, but it was pretty far up there. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can and whatever type of results I get is what I get. And we haven't talked about this before, but I, I think it's important to to ask. Do you are, do you have a strong support system that you were mm -hmm. able to lean on during this time? Oh, yeah. what, what what did that look like, and how is that helpful? Yeah, so that was that was everything. So first of all, like my entire family, so I have three older brothers. They're all married, eight children, whatever. And my parents, everyone came up there, and my girlfriend, and even a bunch of my close friends came up. So I had tons of support, like. I was almost never alone when I was in the ICU or whatever. And so not only that, yeah, because that was a ton. Like I remember some days that now that you're asking these questions, I'm remembering a little more in depth, but I'd have those days, man, where I'd wake up and I would just not be about it. Like I had friends coming up, they'd drive me up six hours. And I remember telling my girlfriend, I was like, 
I do not want to see anyone right now. Like I was like, I just can't, can't do it. Um, so yeah, definitely having her support, <clears throat> her support and my friends, my families really helped. And then on the second side of that is after I got released, like I stayed at my mom's place and she would do like everything for me. I felt like a helpless little baby again. And then my brother came and it was funny because he's a vegetarian. And so the thing is, whenever I ate, I had to be like baby food texture. So whatever food I have, we'd have to mush it up. And so I love meat and my brother's a vegetarian, but he would have to come in there and like blend up meats and stuff. He's like, this is the grossest thing ever. <laughs> this is like the thing I hate the most. Everybody is doing it for me. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, I had really great support. It's just from A to Z. So like, I was definitely blessed in that regard. I could not imagine like if this happened to me and I didn't have a family or a family that cared as much as they do, like it, it would have been a lot tougher. So I definitely have to give a lot of credit there. Yeah, no, it, it certainly sounds like it. And it's one of those things that you, you know, when things are going well, it's, it, there's always people around, but when you have mm -hmm. a situation like this and you still have that group supporting you, you know, that you've got, you've got a good group good around you and that you are something that is valuable to them as well, or something that they, they, they brother, friend, son, that they like, they, they, they have that relationship with you that, yeah, yeah that they appreciate and they want want to see you back to hell. So that's, yeah. that's awesome to hear. Um, I kind of trickled into uh, your career, what you do. Um, what, what, what is it that you do and who, who are you helping on a, on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So driven men and entrepreneurs in a nutshell. And so there's three categories that we help them in. The first is a lot of entrepreneurs or just men in general, they struggle to consistently feel motivated or take action and do the things they know they need to do for more than like 10 days in a row, you know, the productivity goes up and down like a roller coaster. So that's the first thing we do is help them link their two minds together so that they consistently feel excited, motivated, and passionate to grow their businesses or dominate their careers. And they stop procrastinating on all the things they've been procrastinating on for months, like SOPs, building out a team, whatever it is. So that's the first step. If you don't have that, you're not going to have enough action being taken in your business. Second step is, okay, how efficient are you in those hours that you work? Do you have mental fog to the point where it takes you 60 minutes to complete a task that should only take 20 minutes to complete? Then the quality is not even good on top of it because you lack that focus, the clarity, the creativity, whatever it is. And so we help them attain superhuman performance where every single day they have focus, they think clearly, they have the energy to be super productive and produce quality work that actually grows their revenue. Then the third step's really just getting them that freedom of time and to get the get them to really forex their business output. And it's just by getting them to operate like a CEO, you know, if you spend all your time doing tedious tasks that drain you of your energy and time that you could out outsource for like five bucks an hour, but don't because you don't trust anyone, well, your business is going to move slow because like your business only moves as fast as you do. And so we really want you to delegate all of these tedious tasks, build out teams, SOPs, whatever it is, so that you work less, but your business grows more. And so it's really boiled down into those three key aspects. I like the way that you 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 talk about how those aspects work together and especially the, the delegation piece and that sometimes mm -hmm. you might be the biggest bottleneck in your business without oh, yeah. realizing well, it. Especially if there is that trust issue or that no one else can do it as good as me, no one mm -hmm. else will care, that kind of mindset. How how do you help people 
kind of see that that's faulty thinking and that is a limiting belief because that's a, that's a tough one where it's you know I don't want anybody else in my business working in my business no one else can do it like yeah so I how can. I usually do it again is just kind of show the consequences I'm like for example I had one of these clients um one of my one of my clients his name's Rick and so he his biggest bottleneck in his business was him not creating enough ads for his funnels the cost per leads would increase and then his profits would obviously decrease as a consequence and so come to find out he was spending he's like i don't have time to do it and come to find out he was spending two hours or three hours a week doing a lot of stuff in his back end of the softwares and doing stuff essentially tedious tasks that you could just record your screen and show someone how to do it he was doing it so i just kind of showed him i was like okay well that's literally about eight to twelve hours a month that you could literally go hang out with your wife or create those ads or even just hang out with your child or do whatever you want. Like, why are you, do you want to waste that? How much is that costing you? And so I just told him, I was like, look, try it for one week where you just spend that time creating ads. And then in the next two months, he actually had, he did 800 K in revenue, but just from him creating those ads, it dropped the cost per lead, obviously got way more leads as a consequence and then way more revenue. So again, just kind of getting them to see like, look, that's 12 hours of your life that you're spending every single month that you could be doing things you actually enjoy doing all because you have this limiting belief that someone can't do it as good as you, even though that's just simply not the case. It's pretty mindless work. And so I was like, yeah, if you want to keep coming from this place where you don't trust anyone, you're going to be wasting your time. Your business is taking a hit. Your revenue is taking a hit. It's just not good for your life. And so it's kind of just pointing out simple things like that in a sense. That 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 that's a good example because you're right that if there is, a, if there's a task or a bunch of tasks that we're doing that is not producing the value or not the best use of our yeah, time, exactly. we could be shifting that to something that would be much more, yeah, it's uh, like, much more useful. It's like, do you think Elon Musk is installing solar panels? No, of course not. He's doing more impactful actions. Why do you think that? We're talking about this, and it sounds like that's common sense and should be apparent to anybody who's, you know, if you're running a business or you're entrepreneurially minded, it's like, yeah, that's pretty clear. Why, why, why are people figuring that out on their own? Do you think? I think it's just the lack of awareness, you know, because the thing is, they're feeling they are working and they're feeling like they're being productive because they're working seven or eight hours in their day, you know, and so you can kind of trick yourself into this illusion that you're being productive when in reality, it's like you're kind of just wasting your time. And it's like, this is why like working hard doesn't guarantee success. Cause if you spend it all your time and energy editing your videos, posting on social media, your business isn't growing fast. It's not gonna. And so it doesn't matter how hard you work. If first of all, you lack clarity, the focus to produce high quality work, or if you're spending it, your time and energy doing tedious tasks or things you shouldn't be doing. And so it's like working for the sake of working to please your ego is like meaningless. It's just making you feel like you're doing a lot, but in reality, it's not providing much growth for your business. So you, you're spot on as you talk about clarity and focus that we can easily trick ourselves into doing those either to-do list items where they're low mm-hmm. value, low priority, mm-hmm. or it's they, you know, we 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 think that they are the social media example, we think that they're moving the ball forward, but they really aren't. And that mm-hmm. you're so in it you can't see it till it's too late. Mm-hmm. How did you decide that this was how you wanted to I don't want to say serve your, your mm-hmm. clients, but why is this the right fit for you given your given what you've gone through? Yeah, so I mean, it was just a natural consequence of learning everything I learned out of that whole event. 
But basically what I found, I was like thinking, I was like, I always want to start a business, but on what? And so I just started reflecting on my life. Like when were those times I was the most excited, the most passionate, and I lit up like a Christmas tree. And so it always came to mind. It was like when I was, a friend would call me up there, like, Adam, I'm getting terrible sleep. It's messing up my productivity the next day. Or Adam, I want to start a business, but I don't, I don't know if I have what it takes. Or just asking me, like, I really feel tired. I is breaking into my productivity. Well, I'd be on the phone with them for 60, 90 minutes. And by the end of the call, I was more energized than I was in the beginning of the call. And I just kind of noticed this pattern. I was like, I really, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I get off to helping people, not to that extent, but I literally get like, it fills my heart up with so much joy. I don't know why or whatever it is. So I just kind of realized it's like, I love serving people. And the best way I can do that is through the skills that I have now acquired. And so just through learning about all these things that most people don't spend the time and energy to learn and really diving into it, that's what kind of led me on this path, I would say. That makes a ton of sense. And I can tell as you just you get so excited talking about you know, having that conversation, getting that person from A to B where they now can see these things that you were uh, mm-hmm. that you were lucky to see beforehand. As we're talking about this, and this is an area that I, that I spend a lot of my time in as well. Mm-hmm. How have you decided that you work with most of your clients on a one-to-one basis, it sounds like? Yeah, for the most part. Pretty soon we're going to be doing it on a more scale. But uh, yeah, I like to be very hands-on just... It just gets ensures the results. So that that was gonna be my question. That that distinction is is so fascinating because you're working with your clients on being able to take themselves out of their business or to scale things where they are not their bottleneck. Mm-hmm. But in in one could argue, which I'm not, I'm just bringing up the point that yeah. by working one on one, you are limiting the amount of people that you can work with because mm-hmm. there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so much you can do in that, in that role. So it sounds like you're moving your business to a way there's, there'll be other types of engagements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, I mean, the thing is I like one-to-one a ton, but obviously at a certain point, I just, I value my time and energy too. Um, But the thing is I've created a system where it doesn't require too much time and energy from me. Like I just give my clients my phone number, say, if you have questions or hiccups, send me a text or whatever it is. But the thing is like the system that I've created takes a lot of the time and energy out for me. So it's like, I still am able to serve a pretty large amount of people one-to-one because it doesn't require too much time and energy, but I always am there if they need the extra time and energy. And and that's that's kind of the balance in this that I've come across recently that the efficiency piece is kind of what we all strive to. It's like, how can I get the most out of this 45 minutes, this three-week period, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say the next level of that is is I don't, always want to be working at 100% productivity because at some point, regardless of who I am, regardless of my mindset, regardless of my training, I'm going to hit a wall. But where I think that your your story is a, a really illustrative one is that if you find the work that refills you, refuels you, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. it invigorates you, then putting in the extra time, the right amount of time, it's it's not the same as hitting a wall because you're kind of doing both things. You're, you're working... It, Go ahead. The thing is you're working so much more efficiently that you never get burnt out because you're not working as much. Your business will grow three times quicker while you working less. Once you have a team, once you're in a place where you're consistently waking up motivated with focus, you're thinking clearly. You just produce quality work that grows your business much more rapidly. And so the th- that's the reason why is you don't get burnt out 
when you're operating like what we say a superhuman CEO, because the thing is you literally just forex your business output while working less. Like that's what our system helps you do. And so, yeah, you don't really get burnout much in that situation. And also the second thing is like, when you have superhuman performance, you really just have optimal health. That's a really another way of phrasing. It's like, you don't get burnt out too often when you have great health. The only time you get burnt out is when you're working extensive hours or you're not listening to your body. Like that's the key because your body's always going to tell you when you're not feeling good, when you're on that verge of burnout. It's just most people ignore it or they're not even aware of it because they're so hyper-focused, right? Exactly. And you mentioned how your mental health and your physical health kind of are tied together there. Mm -hmm. And I wrote down earlier the two minds. Uh, if I got that correctly, I wanted mm -hmm. to ask what what were you referring to and how how are they what is the interplay between the two minds? Yeah. So basically most people they they fall into this vicious cycle. And if you're listening to this, you've probably fallen into it at one point in your life. If you're not in it right now, and it's one day you're tired, lazy or unmotivated. So you tell yourself, oh, I've done a fantastic job. I deserve one day off. And then we all know it turns into another and another. And so what happens is you're using your conscious mind to try and change. But 95% of all the decisions you make in your entire day are made subconsciously. Now, I know you might be thinking, BS, what are you talking about? I make all my decisions. So let's put it this way. When you woke up this morning, did you think about which hand you're going to use to lift the sheets off your body? Which foot you're going to land on first, where you're going to step next? No, they happened automatically and subconsciously. This is also why you've likely had times where you're driving and you zone out. Then 10 minutes later, you zone back in and you're just magically at your destination with no conscious recall of how you got there. Subconscious mind got you there. And so basically what's happening is you're using your conscious mind to declare you're going to change, but your subconscious mind doesn't want you to change. And it sees every habit as a survival mechanism, which is why it's so hard to break. It literally thinks if you change this habit, your chances of death increase. And so then they battle each other and then subconscious mind wins. You fall back into your self-tabotaging patterns. The only way to escape this, to get to a point where you don't have those internal battles, where you don't fall back into your old patterns and ruts, and you don't have that internal resistance, that native self-talk is by linking your two minds together. Because when you do this, when you tell yourself you're going to work five hours and then you're going to go hit the gym, then you're going to come back for two more hours and then eat, cook a clean, healthy meal, then go to bed, you'll do it and you'll feel excited to do it. And so that's the power of linking your two minds together. I don't want to say I'm speechless, but that is the <laughs> best, the best example I've, I've heard explaining how the subconscious mind controls the body because you hear the stats 90 percent 95 percent 99 whatever it is that it controls what we think about we kind of just leave it there that it's like well yeah. how, what does that mean and then the driving example and then taking mm -hmm. a step pulling the sheet yes those are things that we all do we can all relate to that we realize our mind is an autopilot with those things and we don't actually mm -hmm. consider how much of our thinking is in, in that realm. So that that's mm -hmm. a fantastic example. Um, somehow <laughs> we are already on time. Uh, so I, I will stop hammering you with questions, but I do want to end here. You've dis discussed the people that you work with, uh, men, driven entrepreneurs. I'll let you pick mm -hmm. which of the three. I mean, the driven, I'm actually going to take that one out because that's fairly self-explanatory, but how did you decide men or entrepreneurs were the right audience for you? Yeah, so I really like entrepreneurs. Tend generally, they have more of a different mindset than like the average nine to five employee. So I typically like that. 
But then I just also noticed, I was like, oh, I thought of driven men, like whether it's salespeople or they're in careers, but they're making 100 to 200, 300K, but they want to get to that next level. They would reach out to me as well. And it's just our system. It just works. Like, for example, we had this client, Tim, who would felt, he felt like he was on a roller coaster. His productivity, he would procrastinate on the things he knew he needed to do to grow, get, get the next level in his career. Within literally two days of working together, he was keeping all his promises, all his commitments to himself and feeling excited to do it. Within two months of working together at a career, he was making 50K per month at a career job. And so that just goes to show him like, if someone was working in a career and got that much of an increase in revenue in two months, like what would that do for your business? And so I just noticed my best clients are people that are really driven like they're ready to go to that next level and they just need the right system. They need someone to help them get there. They just can't get out of their own way. It almost feels like. And so I just typically, those are the people that come to me and we get the best results for. Love it. Where can our listeners uh, find you, connect with you, learn more or start working with you? Yeah. So two different ways. If you're interested in seeing some of our case studies, seeing our methodology or whatever, you want to book a call with me and my team, you can go to superhumanceo.com or you can follow me on Instagram, Adam Lucero, L-U-C-E-R-O, then the number one. So Adam Lucero, one. We will post that in the show notes. Uh, connect with Adam. His story is incredible. Uh, he, I, like I said, I could easily talk to him all night here, but I'm going I'm to let him go after our <laughs> requisite 30 minutes. Uh, what's something I didn't ask you tonight that I probably should have, Adam? I would say the one, the one hack that if anyone was listening and they did this one thing, it would, the difference in their life trajectory would be so greatly impacted. Simply put, it's the most powerful thing that you can do for your life. That's a better way of phrasing it. And it is <laughs> keeping your promises to yourself. Eventually, if you do that, eventually you'll get to a point where it's second nature and effortless. And because of that, when you want to change any habit or action you want, you'll do it because you're in the habit of keeping your promises to yourself. No, I, I wish I could go on and go on to a tangent on this, but 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Tangent guys, away, tangent that. away, tangent okay, away. So, so think about it this way. When, why is it so easy for you to brush your teeth every single night, regardless of how tired, lazy, or unmotivated you are, but it's so difficult for you to do these new actions, whether it's working out, eating healthy, or whatever it is. It's because you're in the habit of brushing your teeth to the point where it's second nature and it's effortless. You don't think about it. There's no internal battle. You simply do it. Well, imagine if you were in the habit of keeping your promises to yourself to the point where it's as easy and effortless as you brushing your teeth. And what would your body look like right now if you kept your word to work out from two years ago? How much further along in your business or career would you be if you kept your word to be productive every single day? And how much better would you feel about yourself with this newly found productivity? And so literally, if you, you could just do one thing in your life. It's just keep the promises to yourself. Now, I know you might be thinking, Adam, it's a catch-22. How can I keep my promises to myself if I can't keep my promises to myself? So the key here is to start with these smaller changes, right? So instead of saying, oh, I'm going to read for 45 minutes a day, say you're going to read for one minute a day. Because how habits work is all through repetition. So you just want to form the habit of you keeping your promises to yourself. And if you give yourself these huge changes, it's going to be harder to keep a more internal resistance. The internal battles are going to be bigger. So start with smaller changes, 
form the habit of keeping your promises to yourself and then keep going. And eventually it'll be second nature effortless and you win life. Excellent tangent, Adam. This was a blast. Thank you for joining us and uh, Mm -hmm. let's do it again. All right. Sounds good.